Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and we've been looking at the Beatitudes, uh, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached, that anyone ever preached on the Sermon of the Mount, and each Beatitude builds off of the next Beatitude, and, and it just kind of creates um, a, an interlocking um, where there are Beatitudes that, that work together, and you can't really understand what God is trying to say unless you first understand the definition of each Beatitude and how the next Beatitude builds off of that. And so Jesus is sitting on the mountain, and he happy, satisfied, fulfilled, content, is the person who is poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the definition of being poor in spirit is absolutely understanding that you're nothing without God. You're totally dependent on God for everything. And when you get to that point of humility in your life, you come to God. God accepts you because the Bible says he rejects the proud. A proud person would never go to God and say, I need you for everything. Um, and so, obviously, God can't help a person who's proud. But when we understand we're nothing without him, we come to God. God then opens his kingdom to us, and we are then recipients of all of God's kingdom, all of his blessing, and all the potential of the kingdom. And then the second beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, is really talking about spiritual mourning, being repentant over our state of sinfulness. And so we look and say, we're nothing without God, beatitude number one, beatitude number two. As a result of that, I can't get myself to heaven. I can't earn eternal life. I can't be righteous. I can't do anything without God. And therefore, I am in this miserable state of my wretchedness. And when I recognize that and I look to the cross, I find comfort in the fact that Jesus provided for me salvation through the cross. Therefore, I am comforted by the Spirit of God who comes to live inside of me and imputes righteousness. We're going to talk about that in a few moments on to me. And as a result of that, as a result of understanding that I'm nothing without God, totally dependent on God, I'm wretched without the cross, and as I receive the cross, one thing that happens to me immediately is now I have a spirit of meekness. I'm humble. I understand that I could never judge another person for what they do because I'm just like them, amen? And as a result of that, I walk in humility. And because I know that I'm nothing without God, and I, I am in this state of wretchedness without the cross. I receive the cross. I become meek and humble. And then I have this insatiable appetite for that which is right. And that's where Jesus leads us next as we look at beatitude number four. And we recognize that Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, Jesus says, if you really want to be satisfied, if you really want to be happy and fulfilled, if you really truly want to find true contentment in your life, you must be hungry. You must be thirsty. Now, Jesus is not just talking about like, well, I need a snack. But Jesus is saying you must be totally, totally thirsty and hungry. You must be at that point where you say, man, if I don't get this, I'm going to die. It's like, it's like when the writer says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul thirsts for you, O oh God. There's this hunger for righteousness. There's this hunger 
to understand the things of God. There's this hunger that we have to be like Christ. There's this hunger in our heart. There's a thirsting after God to a place where you get so desperate for God that you say, God, please come and fill me. And Jesus says, I will fill you. Now, listen to me. America doesn't know anything about hunger. I mean, I understand that there are people, there are pockets, and I shouldn't say that for everybody because there are people in America that are hungry today. They go hungry today. But for the most part, most Americans, they can't even understand the idea of hunger. Why? Because if they want something, they go into the refrigerator and, and they get it. They pull up to a, you know, to a restaurant and they can have fast food. If they want entertainment, all they need to do is go home and, and turn on Optimum TV. Now, I got to tell you, that's not a bargain at all because I keep on saying I'm paying $2,000 a month and I turn the channel and I can't find anything. Do you, remember, you know what I'm talking about? There's nothing on TV, nothing worth watching on TV, not even the Yankees for the last three games. Come on, somebody. <laughs> turn that off. Holy mackerel, what happened? Dear Lord, I have not been entertained at all in the last three days. But, but if we're hungry, you know, Americans, we just have this natural kind of expectation that it's going to be met. And yet Jesus says, if you really want to be fulfilled, if you really want to be content, if you really want to experience satis true, deep satisfaction in your heart and in your life, you must be hungry. Now, now, when Jesus said you must be hungry, what he was really saying, check this out, what he was really saying was is that you'll only be satisfied if you hunger after the right thing. In other words, if you hunger after the wrong thing, it will never satisfy your life. But if you hunger after the right thing, you will find fulfillment in your life. Now, it, now we notice in the scriptures that uh, Jeremiah is speaking to the people of Israel, and and, and, he, and he tells them, Jeremiah, is a, he's a young prophet. They, they called him the weeping prophet because he's a young prophet. God raises him up for one thing, to, to tell the people of Israel they're going down the wrong road and that he would be severely persecuted for that. I mean, he was thrown in prison, you know, and, 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 and Jeremiah actually gets to the point where he says, man, God, you tricked me. You deceived me, man. And you, you, you raised me up just to be pulled down like this. And he was so broken over the brokenness of Israel, but also because of the persecution in his life. But, but Jeremiah said, I've got to tell the people. He said, if, if I speak not, it's like a fire that's shut up in my bones. I, I've got to tell them that they're going the wrong way. And Jeremiah, he, he tells the people of God that they sinned in two ways. He said the first thing that they did is they sinned in forsaking God. And Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. In other words, God is speaking to Jeremiah, said, my people have committed two sins. Number one, they have forsaken me. And he said, and I am their living water. So in forsaken me, they have become thirsty for the wrong things. And he said, and the second sin is that they've actually got cisterns that are broken cisterns. And so they tried to fulfill their lives, but they cannot fulfill their lives because those cisterns are broken. And every time they try to pour something in it, it just spills out. And so he said, they, they long for something, but they're never, ever satisfied. And that's why God speaking through Isaiah, he cries out to the church and he says, if you're thirsty... Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine and milk because it's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? 
Why spend money on food that can never satisfy? Why pay for food that is no good to you? Listen to me, he said. You will eat what is good and you will enjoy the finest food. If you come to me, I will give you that food. I will make a covenant with you and you will feast off of my love and you'll be satisfied in your life. He said, you have done two things. One, you have forsaken me. You know what? You can even eat of good things, but they're not the best thing. Hmm? And, you know, sometimes we can eat of good things. A church is a good thing. Coming to church every Sunday morning is a good thing. But if you feast off the coming to church and you miss the fact that you're coming to church for Jesus, you're going to still be hungry. Come on, somebody. You can even read the Bible. You can read the Bible, yet if your heart isn't yearning after Jesus, you will read the Bible and still go hungry. Come on, somebody. You could do good works for the Lord. You could do all these good works and find yourself totally burnt out because you're running after the wrong thing, right? And so Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the right thing. If they hunger and thirst after the right thing, they'll be fulfilled. On the other hand, if they hunger and thirst after the wrong thing, it'll leave them empty and dry. So I want my brother, my big strong brother to come right now and give this brother a big hand right now. He's going to help me with something right now. And so I want to give you this illustration because, you know, you won't remember not even 15% of what I said unless you write it down. That's why you need to write it down. So many of you, I, you know, I get really discouraged on Wednesday night. I'm with the men. I'm like, did you remember what the preacher said? And they're like, uh, write it down, write it down, right? But, but if you see it, if you see it, you'll remember it, all right? So the truth of the matter is, is that there are so many people that have done two things. They have forsaken the real, real, real food for junk food. And as a result of that, they have buckets that have holes in them. And so your life, my friend, will be like a bucket, right? And so you will try your best to be fulfilled with money. Oh, people are trying as hard as they can to make as much money as they can because they've been told that if they make money, they're going to be fulfilled in life. They run after it and they try to fill their life with money and money and money. And guess what happens? It's just like a bucket that's got holes in it. And after a while, it'll leave you empty and dry. You see, there's somebody in this room, you keep on working and working and working and working and working and you have no time for God. And you think that if you just keep on working and working and working and making more money, that someday, somehow, you're going to be happy, but it's going to leave you empty and dry. And some of us, we believe, well, if there's a relationship in my life, if there's a relationship in my life that can make me happy, I'm going to run after it. And so we run after sex and we run after relationships, wrong relationships in our life. And we think, you know what? That truly is going to make me happy. I'm going to be happy if I find the right person. I'm going to be happy if that person fulfills my desires, whatever it is. But you know what? You can run after that all you want. But listen, at the end, it's going to leave you empty. It's going to leave you wanting more. You're going to be thirsting for more. Amen? Or maybe you say, you know what? I just want to be entertained there's nothing wrong with entertainment I like to be entertained and you know the truth of the matter is I've got Jesus in my life and because I've got Jesus in my life now I run after those things that entertain me that are wholesome they're good they're they're not bad things right but listen if we keep on running after entertainment in our life and there's a lot of Christians man in the beginning you start running after God with all your heart but then after a while you kind of you kind of for 
forsake your first love. And you know what happens when you forsake your first love? Now you got to be entertained, man. I want the pastor to entertain me. I want church to be entertaining. Why? Because Jesus is not enough. You know, if we took the worship team and we just, we just took away all the instruments and we took away all the air conditioning and all the padded seats and it got a little hot in here, I wonder how many people would show up to church just for Jesus, huh? And so we go after entertainment and we run after entertainment, but it leaves us empty and dry. And you know, some people, they come after religion. And religion is doing things for the wrong reason. Doing religion, listen to me, is doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Religion is doing the right thing without the right motive. Religion is doing the right thing without the right person. Hey, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you're doing all these things, but you're missing the point. You're doing all these things to make you feel better. You're doing all these things because you think that's going to justify you. You do all these things because you really think that if you follow the law, it's going to lead you to a life that's going to be satisfied. But he said, without me, then all you're doing is putting water into an empty bucket and religion, reading your Bible, praying, doing religious things without Jesus will always leave you empty and dry come on somebody but listen to me if you do it for Jesus and if you're pursuing Jesus Jesus is the only bucket that holds the water he can hold your life he knows your life and it doesn't come through it doesn't empty Jesus never ever has holes in his bucket hallelujah he said if you're thirsty come and drink of me why because I'll give you that living water hallelujah glory to God Jesus is passing through Samaria and he finds a woman at the well thank you my brother give my brother a big hand Jesus finds a woman sitting at the well. Now, Jesus wasn't supposed to be there, and the woman wasn't supposed to be there. The woman had uh, six men in her life. She had run after money. She had run after entertainment. She had run after sex, and she had run after husbands. Don't, don't, don't listen to me. She had six husbands, and the one that she was living with wasn't even her husband. She said, I gave up on marriage. Marriage doesn't work. I'm just going to live with the dude. And she's having sex, and she's running after all these things. But she comes to the well, and she wants to drink water. She wants to drink physical water. She comes in the afternoon. Why? Because she was afraid if she went any other time that the women of the town would, would ostracize her and, and call her all kinds of names. So she comes when nobody else is there, but Jesus sees her. Listen to me. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what your past is, but Jesus loves you, and he's going to come and sit at your well. Come on, somebody. He's going to come and sit, and he wants to talk to you because he loves you with an everlasting love and the Bible says that Jesus comes to the woman and Jesus says would you give me something to drink and guess what happens immediately immediately the topic the the, the the conversation turns into worship why listen to me because anything that you try to run after without God is idolatry and worship and so she's talking about worship well we worship on this hill and we do this and Jesus turns 
her life upside down and says, woman, I know what you've been trying to do and I understand what you're running after. But those who really connect with God worship God in spirit and in truth. And then Jesus says, listen to me. If you knew who it was that was sitting at the well with you, you would ask me for living water. You would come to me for a drink. You would come to me for what you have need of and I would give it to you and you would never thirst again. Come on, somebody, help me out today. You see, the truth is all of us in this room have hunger in our life. When we're born, we're born with hunger. I mean, the moment that a child is born, he or she is looking for a nipple. He's looking, she's looking to be fed. And you know, the child is going to spend most of their day thinking about one thing. I'm hungry. Feed me. And we live our whole life with this understanding of hunger. And hunger in itself is not wrong. It's just natural. And you know, the Bible tells us that God actually has put a hunger in our heart for him. He's put a hunger, as the word of God says in Ecclesiastes, that God has planted in our hearts eternity. And yet, the Bible says, we cannot understand his ways. In other words, even though we can't understand all of God, even though there are times when we want to reject even the existence of God because we get angry at God and we can't understand why God does what he does, but there's a, there's a hole in our heart that God has put a hole in every single person's heart. It's called the God hole. And the only person, the only thing that can ever fill that in our lives is God himself. But you see, we think that we can fill it with other things. And we turn them into idols in our life. And we run after those things. C.S. Lewis, though, said this, a very powerful quote. He said, if we find that there is a dissatisfaction in our life, that we cannot be satisfied with anything in this world, then it must be that we're of another world. And friend, you are of another world. You've been created by God to yearn an eternal God. You have been created by God to yearn a God who says to you, don't store up your treasures on earth because all of that stuff is going to fade away. All of that stuff is going to rot away. But store your treasures in heaven where nothing can take it away from you. You see, there's a God hole in your heart. That God hole is God himself. And when you run after other things, they're like empty buckets or buckets with holes in them that it just never, ever satisfies you. And so Jesus said, if you really want to be satisfied in your life, you have to choose the right thing. He said, blessed is the person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness for the right thing, for they will enjoy true satisfaction in life and the life to come. So listen to me today, this morning. Are you feeling today unsatisfied deep in your soul? Are you feeling unfulfilled? Are you feeling empty? Are you feeling dry? Are you still thirsty? Are you still hungry with no sense of satisfaction in your life? You could even be a Christian. You know, we, we settle so, so often we settle for things that are really not God in religion. We settle for, 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 for things that are far below what God wants for our life. You know, we, we, we are settled in our spirit with a service 
for an hour on Sunday morning, an hour and a half on Sunday morning. We, we settle for religious acts, things that, we, that make us feel good for a moment, but they don't truly bring true satisfaction in our life. You see, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily always have to be bad things. Sometimes it's really good things that we settle for instead of settling for the best. Martha was doing a good thing. You know the story. Jesus comes to Martha's house, and, you know, there are two sisters and, and a brother, and, and Jesus is uh, sitting in the living room, and, and Martha's doing the good thing. She's doing the right thing. Listen to me. I'm Italian. I get it. I get food. I get the food thing. You know, every time we have workers come to my house, even if they've got their own lunch, I'm like, you, you hungry? You, you want to eat? You want to eat? I don't know. My mother taught me that, right? Everybody that comes, you want to eat? You want to eat? My, my wife gets mad at me. She kicks me under the table. She's like, leave them alone. They don't want to eat. You, you, you sound like an old Italian woman. You want to feed everybody. You know, I, I, get the, I get the food thing. I get the food preparation thing. I, I get the thing that she was thinking, you know what? Jesus is hungry, man. He worked hard, and I, I want to be in the kitchen, and I, I want to feed him. I want to bless him. I want to love on him. And, you know, sometimes we, we in, in, with good motive and good intention, we want to bless Jesus. We want to bless God. I was, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and um, we were texting back and forth, and he, and he is such a blessed, he's such a, a wonderful man. And he loves God, you know, and, and, and we were just going back and forth texting. And he, said, and, and, and he says, I just want to spend the rest of my life really making God happy. I, I just want to make him happy. But I, but I heard in his heart, in, his, in, 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 in the tone of the text, if you want to say, I heard that he was, he was really saying, man, I, I'm not doing enough now, but if I can do more, then, 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 then maybe I can make God happy. Listen, you can't do anything to make God happy happy you can't do anything to get God to love you more than he loves you right now I mean I want you to repeat that I want you to write that down somewhere I cannot do anything to get God to love me more than he loves me right now wait we're trying we're trying to prove our love to God and what do we do we we try to do things for God we try to serve God we try to serve people as if, if I do that, God is going to love me more. Listen to me. If you could do anything to get God to love you more, then God's love is not perfect love. It demands something. And listen to me. God is perfect. God is love. And you can't stop God from loving you. Nothing shall ever separate you from the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody help me out. And maybe you're feeling unsatisfied or unfulfilled. Maybe it's because you have been running after the wrong things. Martha's cooking, cooking up a storm, and she sees Mary. Mary is hanging out with Jesus. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she comes in the room and says, tell my lazy sister to get up and start feeding you and taking care of you and, and, and cleaning up and and, 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 and making sure that she's doing some work. And Jesus said, Martha, you're so busy doing all these things, but you missed the point. You missed the point. Here I am. I'm the Lord of glory. And Mary's like, I don't care if I starve to death. I have the very best thing in front of me, and all I want to do is feast on him. Anything other than that will always leave you unsatisfied. Maybe you feel that you've been running and running and just never feeling satisfied. You feel empty in your life. 
What did Jesus mean when he said, happy, satisfied, content is the person who's hungry, I mean really hungry and thirsty after righteousness. Now listen, anytime you read anything in the Bible, you've got to read it in its context. You've got to read it in its context because you miss the point. And you've got you've to look at the key words. So what are the key words? Come on. What are the key words in this beatitude? One, happy, satisfied, fulfilled. Second key word, right? Hungry, thirsty, right? So first word, satisfied, content. Next word, hungry, thirsty. Next word, for righteousness. See, we jump right over that. I've done that for years. I've looked at that scripture and I've said, blessed are those that are hungry because they're going to be filled. And so I just need to have hunger in my life. No, no, no. God didn't say you just need to have hunger in your life. God said you have to hunger after the right thing. Because if you've just got hunger in your life and you're hungering after the wrong thing, even if it's a good thing, it'll still leave you wanting more. It'll still leave you feeling so unfulfilled in your life. That's what religion does. You run after it, and it leaves you unfulfilled. That's what sex does. You keep on running after it. You want more and more and more and more and more. Never fulfilled. That's what entertainment, that's what money does, right? Because we make them our idols. We make them our gods in our life. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with any one of these things. None. It's not, money's not bad. But the love of money is bad. When you make money your idol, when you depend on that, to bring you happiness in your life. Sex is not bad. Listen, it's pretty good. When you're married, when you're married, have more fun in bed. It's great. But if I depend on that to make me feel good and satisfied in my life, it's always going to leave me empty and dry. Entertainment is not bad. But if I depend on that, if I take my eyes off of that which should bring me true satisfaction in my life and start running after that, and that's what we do as human beings. We're kind of always running after the thing that makes us feel good, but in the end it leads to dissatisfaction in our life. So what did Jesus mean when he said, happy, fulfilled, satisfied, content is the person who's hungry and thirsty for righteousness? What does it mean to be righteous? What is righteousness? Well, it's not religion because Jesus told his disciples, you see these guys over here who are dropping the coins into the offering and, and praying these long prayers and, 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 and looking like they're spiritual? He said, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees, you'll not inherit the kingdom of God. You're going to miss the point all the time. So he's saying, unless your righteousness goes beyond just good works, unless your righteousness goes beyond just doing the right thing, even if it's for the wrong reason, you're never going to be missing. You're gonna, never going to be hitting the mark. You're going to always be missing it. You see, the, the truth is, none of us can be righteous in ourselves. That's what Romans is all about. The book of Romans 1, 2, and 3. Paul the Apostle helps all the religious people, the people who thought, well, if I'm religious, I'm, I'm righteous. And Jesus says, no, dude, look, Romans 1. He, he helps us to understand that, that we run after the wrong things. Romans 2, Romans 3, Romans 3. As a result of all of that, you, you tell others, don't do these things, but in your heart, you already have done those things. 
And so he says, there's none that are righteous, not even one that is righteous. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so the truth is, Jesus was not saying, you know, unless you hunger after doing the right thing. Because listen to me, you could do the right thing for the wrong reason, and that's not righteousness. Righteousness is when you do the right thing for the right reason. But we can't. Why? Because we're sinners. We are, we are sold into slavery to sin. And that's, and that's why Paul the Apostle in Romans chapter 7, starting at verse 14, he says, look, I, I see this thing going on in my life. He says, I, I see that the law is good. Don't covet. Don't steal. How many would believe? How many would agree with me that you shouldn't steal? Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. All right. How many of you would agree you shouldn't lie? How many of you agree you shouldn't steal your neighbor's wife? That's a dangerous one, baby. How many of you agree that you shouldn't even want to do it? Thou shalt not murder, but it starts in your heart. Let me see your hands. Huh? Come on, come on, right? And so we understand the law in itself is not bad. It's good. It tells us what we should and shouldn't do. But Paul the apostle says, I see the law. The Lord tells me what I shouldn't do and what I should do. He said, but I've got this law of sin inside of me. In fact, when I see what I'm not supposed to do, I, I even get this urge to do it. Hallelujah. I just want to do it now because I'm not supposed to do it. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. It's the thrill. He says, I've got this law inside of me. I know what is right. He said, and I, I, I even at times want to do it. He said, but I see this other law, the law of sin and death inside of me. And he said, who will rescue me from this body of sin? Who will rescue me from this habit of sin in my life? And then he answers the question at the end of Romans chapter 7. He says, thanks be to God. I find my victory only in Jesus Christ. Come on. Therefore, Romans chapter 8, therefore there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus for what the law was powerless to do. Jesus did by dying on the cross and sending his spirit so that we might live a new life. Come on somebody. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. And so, so when he says Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. What does it mean? Well, it means I hunger after being like God. I, I look at God. I look at Jesus. You know, when Jesus came to earth, he represented the Father. He represented the Trinity. He said, if you want to know what righteousness is, look at me. Jesus was righteous in all of his ways. Have you ever prayed, I want to be like Jesus? Come on, let me see your hands. Well, watch out. Perfect righteousness, perfect. And Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after being holy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after being somebody who does what is just. The word righteous is interchangeably used with justice, being just, being honest, being a person of integrity, being a person of honor. Being a person that reflects all the attributes of God in our life. Wow. I mean, you think, that's impossible. That's, that is impossible. I'm not going to even hunger after it. No, 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 no. Jesus says, man, blessed is the person who wants to be like me. Blessed is the person that wants to be like God. And when he has this hunger in his heart, when he has this thirst in his soul to be like Jesus, guess what happens? It leads him right to Jesus. Jesus. 
Why? Because we can't be righteous without Jesus. So actually, the truth is, Jesus was saying, blessed is the person who recognizes that he wants to be all those things, and he can't be. Why? Because he's nothing without God. Because in his spiritual condition, he mourns over his condition. And as a result of that, he comes to God in meekness and humility and says, oh, I want to be like God, but I can't. And then Jesus comes and says to us, but I've already done it for you. And not only have I done it for you, but I want to give it to you. Oh, God, praise the Lord. That's the heart of the gospel, that we could never be good enough for God, righteous enough. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus comes down from heaven and he dies on the cross. And he, when he dies on the cross, he, righteous as he is, perfect as he is, he meets, listen to me, all the righteous regulations of God himself, being a just and holy God. He dies on the cross. The eternal son dies on the cross and when he dies on the cross he takes upon himself all of my sins and all of your sins and he dies so that we might live hallelujah the bible says he becomes sin on the cross for us so that we can listen to me become the righteousness of god wow i want you to go home here's a here's a um, homework assignment for you romans Chapter 3, read the whole thing. So I hunger to be like God, and God leads me right to Jesus. And when God leads me to Jesus, and I look to the cross, and I recognize Jesus died for all my sins, and I come to Jesus, here's what Jesus does. I, I, I need, a, I need a, a volunteer right now. Thank you, brother. Come on up. Wow, he volunteered so fast. Man, so when we come to Jesus, Jesus he points us to the cross, and he says, no, you can't be righteous in yourself. But when I died on the cross, I took your sins upon me. So like the prodigal son, now you can come to the Father, and I'm going to put my robe of righteousness on you. Hey, yo, Rocky, you don't look so bad. <laughs> and so he imputes, listen to me, he imputes his righteousness upon us. He gives us a white robe signifying the righteousness of God so that when we come to God and we ask him to forgive us of our sin, he sends his son and his son comes and he robes us in his righteousness so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus with all of his righteousness. Come on, we're covered under the righteousness of Jesus. Come on, somebody, glory to God. Come on, give this man a big hand. And so you can't do it by yourself. You need a robe. And that robe only comes through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that's why the Bible says that we are saved by grace. And grace is God giving us, imputing upon us the gift of righteousness. And righteousness is positional and it is progressive. Positionally, we are righteous in God. So that if we died today, we're going straight to heaven because we received Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Come on, somebody. But now we yearn not only for the righteousness that gives us entrance into heaven, but we yearn for the righteousness to be holy like God. Because the Bible 
Bible says, be ye holy even as I am holy. And so we look at Ephesians chapter 2 and it says, we're saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift of God for we are the workmanship of Christ created in Christ. The workmanship of God now created in Christ to do, listen to me, good works. Now, this is powerful. Don't miss this. We come to Jesus and he gives us his righteousness. I want, I want to read Corinthians. Listen what, listen what it says in Corinthians chapter 1. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom from God. That is, listen to me, Jesus has become our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts boast only in the Lord, not in our own good works, but only in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. It's talking about Jesus. So that we might become, listen to me, we might become the righteousness of God in him. Oh, wait a minute. Wow. I mean, let that sink in. It didn't say he would forgive us of our sins and he'd leave us in a sloppy mess. He didn't say he'd, he'd put a robe on us, but we'd still be sinners. But he said he put a robe on us so that we might become, everybody say, we might become the righteousness, the right person, the right person doing the right thing for the right reason, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, say it again. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. In who? In him. In who? In Christ. Paul the Apostle tells us in Philippians chapter 3, he said, I did all the right things for the wrong reasons, and as a result of that, I was found lacking and wanting. He said, now I consider all those things like done compared to surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus and being found in him. Wow. So powerful to understand. But the moment that we give our life to Christ, listen to me, he sends the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. <clears throat> I'm going to tell somebody in this room right now, I'm going to be honest with you. You think you're so righteous because you show up to church. You think you're so righteous because you do good things. Friends, if you could be good enough to get yourself to heaven, then Jesus was a fool for dying on the cross. And if you think that you could be good enough without the cross, then you're spitting on the cross. The truth is the only way that you can get to heaven is through the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm challenging you today that if you have never truly repented of your sins and put all your faith in Christ, I challenge you today, don't leave this place without being covered by Christ Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is the Jew. He's a Jewish man. He is a God from heaven who comes to live amongst the Jews and fulfills all of the Jewish law. And then my Jewish friend, my Messiah, comes and dies on the cross so that I might have eternal life through the Messiah, Jesus. Wow. But here, here's the, there's the ending of that beatitude. Blessed, happy, fulfilled is the man or woman who hungers to be like God. And when he hungers to be like God, it leads him right to Jesus. 
And when he comes to Jesus, Jesus comes and says, okay, Holy Spirit, I've sanctified him. I've made him righteous. Now come and live inside of that holy, righteous vessel. And he fills us with his spirit. So happy, satisfied is the person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, for he shall be filled with the spirit. And so the very thing we want is to be like God. The only way we can be like God is when the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. Ezekiel chapter 36 says, then, then I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you, the Holy Spirit. And I will remove from your heart a stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and carefully keep my laws. Listen to me. When you hunger and thirst after righteousness, God fills you with his spirit. Jesus stands up in John chapter 7 and he says, hey, all you that are feasting on things that will never bring satisfaction to your life. He said, if you come and you're thirsty and you come to me and drink, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were, were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified. So as the worship team comes, I want to ask you a simple question today. Are you hungry this morning? And are you hungry for the right thing? And are you tired of living for the wrong thing? Do you hunger and thirst after that which is right? See, because the truth is, to hunger and thirst after righteousness really means hungering and thirsting after God himself. Psalms 145 says, the Lord is righteous in all of his actions, and he exhibits love in all that he does. The Lord is near to those who cry to him, all who cry out in, in sincerity. He satisfies the desires of their hearts. So I'm going to ask you again with your eyes closed. Are you hungry? Are you thirsting for the right thing? Are you thirsting for Jesus? Everything else in your life will leave you empty. Jesus said, happy, content, fulfilled is the person who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for me, for they will be filled. Whoever drinks this water I give to him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become to him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst again. The writer of Psalms 42 says, as the deer pants for the water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Revelations 22 says, the spirit and the bride says, come. And let him who hears say, come. Who is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I love what C.S. Lewis said. He writes in The Weight of Glory, We are far too easily pleased. That in the end is the reason we do not pray more than we do. Nothing less than an infinite joy is offered us in God's kingdom of light. He has promised that we will one day shine like the sun in his kingdom. May hungering and thirsting for God drive us to a passionate, relentless pursuit of Jesus. So are you hungry? Have you lost your appetite? 
Has your appetite been on the wrong thing, even if it's a good thing? Maybe you've lost your first love for Jesus. Are the things of this world more appealing to you than God is? Have you been feasting at the world's table? Has your feast and left you empty and dry and thirsty? Well, this morning, I challenge you. I challenge you with your eyes closed. Between you and God, I challenge you to do four things. I challenge you to admit that you've been trying to fill your hunger with the wrong things. Lord, I have been trying to fill my hunger with religion, with doing good things. I've been trying to fulfill my hunger with sex or drugs or alcohol or overworking but I really have lost my passion for you then ask God to give you a deep hunger for him listen Philippians chapter 2 says it's God who works within us both to will and to do of his good pleasure you don't you can't even have that hunger on your uh, uh, by yourself that hunger has to come from God but he wants to give it to you today he wants to keep you hungering for him. And then God says, you got to change your appetite. You got to literally change your appetite. Come on, look at me for a moment. I, I want to tell you. In order for Jesus to come to fill you, you've got to be, be willing to change your appetite. So in John chapter 5, Jesus is ministering to the people. And he ministers to the people all day. I mean, he ministers so long, he preaches so long, like Pastor Steve, that everybody gets hungry. They're starving. And so the disciples say, hey, Jesus, these people are so hungry. Send them away. And Jesus said, no, 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 you give them something to eat. And so they find this little boy, and he's got a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread. And Jesus does this incredible miracle. Bam. He takes a little bit of bread and a little bit of fish. He turns it into such a meal. Look at me. He turns it into such a meal that the Bible says every one of them was so filled that there was left over. Now listen. They were so filled with food. You know, I'll never forget the time I went to uh, Argentina. Argentina has some of the best steak in the world. And we were on a mission trip. There was about 25 of us on this mission trip. And we went to this Cherasco, this place where they make these big steaks. And I don't usually eat a lot of meat. I eat more chicken and fish. And I'm going to try to be. But man, I said, I'm throwing it down. I worked hard. I'm going to have myself a steak. So I ate that steak, and it was so good. And I like when women come on missions trips. Women, you got to come on more. Because they don't eat a lot. They like to shop, right? So they were sitting there, and they were like, you know, I, got, I had enough of the steak. I'm going to go shopping for a little while. I said, bring it on. And so you saw my little skinny guy, me, and this big guy like 300 pounds we sat down and we just ate all the food we could I mean all the steak we could and I walked out of that restaurant and I was so full I was so full I said I'm never gonna eat again in my life I mean I can't even look at food you know what happened when I got up in the morning I was hungry again I was hungry again God's not necessarily angry with you at being hungry he just wants you to be hungry for the right thing so now these people are filled Jesus does this miracle, and man, they got all the food, and they're full. The next morning, listen to me, look at me. The next morning, they wake up, and they're hungry. Guess what? They're looking for Jesus. They're like, that dude, he gave us a good meal. Maybe we can get another meal out of Jesus. So they're looking for Jesus. They can't find him. Finally, they find Jesus. And they see Jesus, where you been? 
And Jesus says, listen, you didn't come to me because of me. You didn't come to know me. You didn't recognize that I am the bread of life. That if you're thirsty, I will feed you and I will give you what you need. But you've got to come to me. He said, because I am that, that bread that came down from heaven. He said, your ancestors, they ate of the manna. He said, I was that manna that came down. And every day they got hungry again. But I am the true manna that comes from heaven. And now, listen, here's what happens. He looks at them, look. He looks at them and he says to them, you read it. He says, and unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have eternal life. You'll never understand what it is to be satisfied. And guess what they did? They go, this dude is crazy. I'm out of here. And the Bible says they left him and forsook him because his teaching was so deep. You see, they were satisfied with the physical bread. They didn't want Jesus. They wanted the bread. And Jesus said, if you really want to be satisfied, you have to want me. And, and when you take of me and you eat of me, you'll never go thirsty and you'll never go hungry again. Hallelujah. And all I can tell you is I grew up in this church all my life. And at the age of 19, I was so sick and tired of religion. I was so sick and tired of hearing sermons. I wanted Jesus. I was so sick and tired of being religious. I wanted Jesus. And I came to this cross right here. I came to this altar and I said, Jesus, if you're real, come into my life. And all I got to tell you is that I tasted of Jesus when I was 19 years old. And I've been feasting off of Jesus. I'm 56 years old right now. And I've been feasting on Jesus all my life. And let me tell you, young person, you can run after the money. You can run after all this stuff. I promise you, it'll leave you empty and dry. You can run after Jesus, and Jesus will always be enough for you. Hallelujah. He'll always be enough for you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, somebody say, Jesus is enough. Come on, say, Jesus is enough. Hallelujah. Say, Jesus is enough.